Hi, I'm Elena Delosier from the Washington Institute for Near East Policy. And I'm Christian Ulrichson from the Baker Institute for Public Policy. So Christian, we've been talking a little bit about uh, Saudi's foreign policy recently and specifically how it's changed towards Iran, possibly Syria. There's some rapprochement with Turkey. Uh, what do you think is, is the impetus for all of this? Well, I think a lot of the impetus predates the transition from Trump to Biden. It really began in 2019 when there were the attacks on Saudi oil fields and the US under Trump effectively did nothing to support the Saudis after that. And it really shook the Saudis and the UAE and others in the Gulf as well, who figured they were much more on their own in the region than they might have thought otherwise have thought they were they were. And so we saw immediate calls for de-escalation, for example, after the killing of Qasem Soleimani in January 2020, a very different tone, very different rhetoric from what we'd seen before. And now that Biden, of course, is in power, the Saudis also feel that it's it's important to be seen as looking like they're interested in regional diplomacy and trying to have to dial down all the tensions, all the regional problems that built up over the four years from 2016 until 2020. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that sort of psychological U.S. withdrawal from the region, right? We still have our military forces there, but there's this idea among the countries there that the U.S. is just not really that interested in playing a leadership role in the Middle East. And I think you're right that the countries are stepping up to take care of it themselves. And what happens is sometimes the ways they want to take care of things are not, not necessarily going to be the ways that the U.S. would prefer. Uh, but this is kind of what happens when, you know, you turn the reins over to, uh, to other folks. Uh, and so in Saudi's case, you know, the talks with Iran, I find particularly interesting uh, because we haven't had Saudi-Iran talks of a real serious nature since the 1990s. Um, whether this, you know, whether these talks will become like they were in the 90s is a, a complete question mark. Uh, but I do think it's it's uh, it's a big deal. A lot of people are are tying it back to 2016 when the Saudis broke off diplomatic ties with the Iranians. But I actually think even before 2016, ties were not great. The last time there were real ties between them was was in the 90s, um, and so I think it's actually quite a big deal. Well, yes, as you know, the, there was a pact of outreach between uh, Khatami in the late 1990s and. Uh, I guess Crown Prince Abdullah at the time. And I think they even signed a security agreement in 2001, which shows that Saudi Arabia and Iran can find ways of working together, or at least coexisting. And I think the fact that, as you said, the psychological impact of the notion perhaps in Riyadh that they are on their own to some extent in the region means they have to find ways of living with Iran. And we're seeing that. And of course, from an American point of view, that might not be the uh, most optimal outcome but of course, uh, Saudi and Mohammed bin Salman are putting Saudi interests first, as of course they have every right to do. Mm -hmm. And MBS really, for him, his first priority, as it was very apparent in his recent interview, is Vision 2030. Uh, most of the interview was about that and very much in the weeds on that. And so that requires you know, a real focus. And I think my read of the situation is that MBS would like to take care of the foreign policy issues around him in order to create space for him to really focus on Vision 2030. Uh, and, you know, but one of the issues is in trying to sort of just 
you know, get rid of the Yemen problem, get rid of the Iran problem, that sort of thing. These are not these are not easy things that you can just snap your fingers and get rid of. And so the Saudis are finding it quite difficult, for example, to get out of Yemen. Uh, and uh, and I worry that because he MBS is so concerned about Vision 2030, I worry about there being sort of a, a desperation to solve these regional problems um, coming from the Saudis, you know, which which might not give the right uh, optics, you know, to the Iranians. Well, yes. And of course, from an Iranian point of view, they've tied down Saudi assets and Saudi sort of uh, preoccupation in Yemen pretty effectively for the past six years. So they might not easily want to sort of give that leverage up. But I think I agree with you that the Saudis definitely want to find a way to disengage and to perhaps use the resources they're spending in Yemen on, on domestic priorities. And of course, also not to have missiles and drones attacking Saudi targets when you're trying to attract international investors into Saudi Arabia based on stability and security. Yeah, absolutely. I think your comment about the MKK attacks is is absolutely right on. It was at that point that we really saw this massive shift in Saudi policy. So I think you're right that it predates Biden. Uh, but we've really started to see the output of that only recently with with not only Iran, but also you and I mentioned Assad and Turkey, and there's some other areas as well where the Saudis are sort of shifting. Yes, and the, the Emir of Qatar was in, uh, in Jeddah earlier this okay. week on the 10th of May. And so we are seeing a, definitely a, a move to try and, as you said, reduce the regional issues to ones that the Saudis can manage and manage much more effectively than in the past. So. Be interesting to see where this goes, but um, we're about to run out of time. So thank you very much for the conversation. And I think it will be something to watch uh, in the coming weeks and months. Thank you. Thank you.